0: Anyway, let's get into our, t- our word this morning. Uh, been, we've been doing a series, Winning Attitudes, Winning Attitudes. And this morning, we're going to be talking about contentment. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And this is Jesus. The, he's tell, he's, he's uh, telling a story, told a story about a, a, a farmer. And here's what he writes, or here's what he says in verse 15. He said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Let's read that again. And he said to them, take heed and be, be, uh, beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now as we continue on with our series today, we've been talking about developing winning attitudes. So last series we talked about getting rid of of weights, those things that slow us down, because every one of us here has been called by God to run our race. In fact, Hebrews says we're to run our race with perseverance or endurance. So we talked about things that we've got to get rid of. Well, listen, if you get rid of things, then you've got to put something back. And so we've been talking about uh, these positive attitudes. The first one we talked about was perseverance. Perseverance simply means stay stay at it. When I was in the military, we called it steady on. It means that you commit to something and you see it through. It's like the the old adage about the postage stamp, stick to something until you get there. And that's what God has called us to do as a Christian. We are to run our race with perseverance, with that stick-to-it-ness that no matter what's happening, whether it's an external uh, opposition or an internal struggle, we run our race. The second thing we looked at last week was compassion. Compassion. What is compassion? Compassion is more than just having these sloppy emotional feelings that somebody's going through a difficult time. Compassion is getting our hands dirty with the ministry. It's getting down to the nitty-gritty of where, it's like the old adage that says, it's where the rubber meets the road. It's where people live. You know, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm praying for you, but the Bible says if you say I'm praying for you and you have the ability to do something about it and you don't, then that's not a good thing. So, so, we talked about that. This morning, we're going to be talking about contentment. Now, while I was preparing this message, I came across some proverbs from different nationalities. Uh, an Italian proverb reads like this, Since the house is on fire, let us warm ourselves. Now, it's talking about contentment. Since the house is on fire, let us warm ourselves. Here's a, here's a Turkish proverb, One already wet does not feel the rain." Now, I'm a fisherman, and I can tell you, I've used a version of that. People say, you're going to go fish in the rain? I'll say, well, the fish are already wet. They don't care. Amen, Amen, right? (laughs) Uh, A Jewish proverb says, when life, this is a good one, when life isn't the way you like it, like it the way it is. That's pretty good. When life isn't the way you like it, Like it the way it is. A Spanish proverb, since we have loaves, let us not look for cakes. There you go. Here's what Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment, and and the reason it's so important we develop this, this winning attitude is because it is the antidote to greed and materialism that we see in our world today how many know we live in a greedy world i mentioned this in early service my dad my dad for years and years and years said son they have the cure and again please pardon what i'm going to say but my dad always said that son they they know the cure for cancer they know the cure for many diseases but because it doesn't make them a lot of money they're not going to make it widely known now, again, I, you, can, you can take that however you want to, but, I, uh, but do I believe that, that people do things for ulterior motives? Absolutely. Absolutely. Greed is a powerful thing that manipulates people and controls them in, in many ways. One of the biggest mistakes that you and I can make is to buy into this myth that more stuff will make me happy. Amen? Amen. One of the greatest myths is that it, all we need is a little bit more. I mean, think about, how many ever heard of Howard Hughes? Yeah, if you've done any, anything historically, you, you've understood Howard Hughes. He, Howard Hughes was a very vastly wealthy individual. In fact, he took his inheritance, that's what it was. He wasn't a self-made man. Daddy left it to him. He was an, it was his inheritance. But he took that inheritance and he used it to become a formidable person in this country. Uh, in fact, if you read some of his history, he, he, he had this insatiable desire to be famous. So he broke into Hollywood. Uh, he soon became a film producer and he became a star. He wanted more thrills. So he designed, he built, and he piloted the fastest plane in the world at that time. He wanted more power. So he dealt political favors so skillfully that two presidents were his pawns. All he wanted was more. His whole life was about getting more. He was absolutely convinced that more would bring him satisfaction and contentment. You two sang a song years ago, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Well, and then Mick Jagger came along and said, I ain't got no satisfaction. (laughs) And that's true. Contentment is the ability to to be cool right where you are to not have this drive for more and more and more. Howard Hughes was pushed to the limits, always thinking that more would bring him contentment. Here's what happened. History records that it didn't happen that way. He died emaciated, only weighing 95 pounds. His fingernails resembled the, this grotesque corkscrew-type thing, gross stuff. His teeth were rotting out, and his body was littered with, with a needle. Uh, holes because of his drug addiction it did not provide what he was looking for listen there's no question that we live in a materialistic society you go back many years you know go back to the 70s i can't go back too much farther than that but we go back to the 70s and abba had abba had a hit song entitled money 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 and then you get into the 80s and madonna came along and she sang about the material girl living in a material world. And then you had Kanye West came along, and he started singing about Gold Digger. And then Notorious Big came along, saying he sang Mo' Money, Mo' Problems, and he was Mo' Right. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff. Stuff consumes people today. I mean, you don't believe me? Turn on the television. You take take an hour broadcast, 40, 20, not 40, Let me back up. You take an hour broadcast, 20 minutes is dedicated to selling you stuff. That's what it is. We live in a society that says if you truly want to be happy, then you need this next gadget, you need this next toy, whatever it is. It consumes people and it becomes a driving force behind much of what happens in our daily lives. You know what? And Christians are not exempt. Even Christians struggle with materialism because we are bombarded with this notion that more is better. And we have, so, so here's the thing. We have to get to the point where we answer the question, how much is enough? I don't know that we can answer that question because everybody, it's always a moving target. You ever notice that? When you say, when I just get enough. Well, the problem is enough always changes. You know, when you're making $20,000 a year, enough is a little bit more. But then you get $100,000 and a little bit more is enough. And on and on and on. It never gets to that point. There's, it's always a moving target. You know, today one of the fastest growing industries in our, in our societies, you've heard me say this before, are storage buildings. They're buying up land, they're building storage buildings. Why? Because we are, we have this insatiable desire to accumulate stuff. And we, so we buy, we fill our, we fill our garages. So we can't get our car in there when the tornado comes through or the the hail comes through. So, so we can't get them in there because we have too much stuff. The attic's full, the garage is full. We buy a building, put it in the backyard. Then it becomes full. And we still don't have a place to put stuff, so then we go out and rent out a storage building and we put it there. It's just this drive for more and more and more. We live in a world today where people are not satisfied and they can't find what they're looking for. See, there's a God-shaped vacuum in every one of us that stuff cannot fill. How many of you ever bought something, you really wanted it, and you felt like, man, if I could only get this, I'd be okay. And you got that, and you was okay for like five minutes. And then there was something else you wanted. It, 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 am I telling the truth? Is that the way it happens? Listen, we have to understand how to define enough. Jesus understood the challenges that you and I would face regarding materialism and money. Maybe this is why Jesus speaks more in the Gospels about money and materialism than he does any other topic, which is interesting to me. More about, more about money than about heaven, more about money than about hell. Jesus understood the, 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 the lure of greed in our society today. And again, I realize that much of Western Christian, uh, Christendom is filled with gospel hucksters and con artists pushing this prosperity gospel that says every single one of us has a right to health and a right to prosperity. Listen, you've heard me say this again for years. You can't take the majority of the gospel preached here in America anywhere else in the world because it wouldn't preach. It wouldn't preach. See, we tell people that Jesus, his main goal for you is to keep you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, you know what? I've been to Cuba four times for sure, maybe five. I can't remember. I lose track of time. But I can tell you in those four times, those people down there have no concept of what it means to have money in a bank. They don't know. They don't know what a bank account is. A surgeon in Cuba makes about $50 a month. Every day they stand out at the street corner to get on a bus, to go to the local distribution center to get their daily allotment of food. They don't understand when we say Jesus wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. They don't understand that. For them, wealth is something defined a whole lot different than what we define it. There's a powerful move of God in the Cuban church right now happening. Churches are being planted in places that uh, the government's kind of tolerating a little bit, but they're exploding. House churches are exploding. People inviting people in. Uh, I mean, it's an incredible thing. Uh, listen, no wonder today we have many misconceptions regarding stuff. How many of you ever heard somebody say something like this, money is the root of all evil? Anybody ever heard that? You know what? That's not true. That's not what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 6.10 says the love of money is the root of all evil. See, money is amoral. It's neither good nor bad. It's our attitude towards money that determines its usefulness. I've always said that money is a tool for redemptive purposes, It enables us through the missions that we uh, sow into to help people hear the gospel message. How about this one? God needs my money or the church will fail. You know, I have people that give. There are people that give with that that concept. I better give in the offering. I better give my tithes because if I don't, the church is going to go belly up. Listen, God's not poor. Amen? God's not poor. He owns it all. He said all the gold is mine. (laughs) All the silver is mine. He's not poor. I mean, when we give, we're not not helping him out of a pinch. Psalm 50 says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pen. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. It all belongs to him. See, our giving, when I give to the Lord, it has nothing to do with bailing God out. It has to do with obedience. That's it. See, it's not God trying to get money from us. From us. It's God trying to get blessings to us because there's blessings in walking in obedience to the Lord. See, God has commanded that we bring the tithe and the offerings into the storehouse in a systematic manner in obedience to Him. And when we do that, the blessings come. But we're not helping Him out in a pinch. How about this one? Having enough money will make me happy. There's a lot of people that buy into that. And you know what? They have a TV show called Lottery Winners. And you can watch all these people that bought into the idea if they, just got a, if they just got a lot of money, they would be okay. And they're not okay. I've read stories, horrible stories. In fact, years ago, some of you remember here in town, uh, back in the late 90s, there was a family that won 50, over $50 million in the lottery. I happened to run across the lady who won that lottery in a hospital. She knew some people here in the church, and I ask about her a little bit later on and that family just totally she passed away and so you can imagine all the vultures that came out her her family literally tore itself apart over a dollar I've been a I've been part of again in ministry over 30 years I've officiated many funerals and I can tell you some of the worst things that have ever happened in a funeral in a funeral service has come because of the promise of a little bit of money See, there's this idea that if I have just a little bit more money, I'm going to be happy. Listen, if you're not happy now, you're not going to be happy then. I mean, you read the stories of lottery winners. Many of them will tell you it was the worst thing that ever happened in their lives. The world paints this picture that the pathway to peace and tranquility is to have a little bit more. But those who who pursue that, you know what they do? They find it's a dead end. It doesn't deliver. The truth is money... Is necessary to pay the bills, keep the lights on, help the needy, support missionaries, reach the lost people. But money does not solve the problems. Listen, money doesn't solve social problems. People do. Money doesn't spread the gospel. People do. Giving money is right, and it's good. But if we're going to make an impact in the world, it's got to be done with something much more valuable than money. It requires us. Amen? feeding we do our food distribution have been doing now going strong for almost three years we're giving people food we're serving them money doesn't do that people do every time we have a food distribution we have i don't know 20 25 volunteers that are out there faithfully every regardless of the weather and they're out there serving people money doesn't do that people do again we have to understand that god god's not insisting that we become poor but he does insist that we have the right attitude towards money So what's the right attitude? Jesus tells us in verse 15. Notice the double warning. He said, watch and beware. Two things. Anytime you find that in Scripture where there's a double warning, it means, hey, you better pay attention to what I'm about to say. Because it's a dangerous thing. Jesus understood the the materialism of our day. He understood greed. And He understood it was greed that sent Him to the cross. At least from man's perspective. He understood that. So He said, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of of covetousness, which is greed. And then he adds this, because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of what he has. In other words, your value is not your portfolio. Your value is not what you drive, it's not where you live, it's not, listen, you can shop at Neiman Marcus or Nordstrom or you can shop at Walmart, it doesn't impress God. He doesn't care. You can go shop. Listen, if you shop at Neiman Marcus, God bless you. If you shop at Walmart, God bless you. I went, to, I went to Neiman Marcus one time. Sheila had a doctor's appointment, and I thought, let me just go in there and see what it's about. I got in there, and it wasn't very long, and I stuck, stuck my hands in my pocket. I thought, I don't want to touch anything. <laughs> I found a shirt that I really liked. It was a beautiful shirt, until I looked at the price. Yeah, <laughs> I thought... <laughs> It's $375 for a shirt. I thought, wow, my luck. I'll buy that shirt, I'll go to a restaurant, and I'll get ketchup all right down the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, man, Yeah? Yeah, give me that old 1999 job at Walmart. <laughs> I can throw it away, use it for rags. No, I, I, I'm making fun now. If you shop at Neiman, that's fine. God doesn't care. That's my point. He doesn't care if you drive a Maserati, a Ferrari, a Corvette, oh, a Corvette, he doesn't care Or if you come in a Pinto. I, I know somebody, some of you younger folks got to help me because I don't know what they drive anymore. It was a Pinto in my day. Most people are like, I don't even know what a Pinto is. Isn't that a bean? <laughs> you know, Then I, in the early service this morning, I talked about a Yugo. Anybody remember the Yugos? Yugo, it don't. right <laughs> he doesn't care he doesn't care he said hey, your life is more valuable than that it's more valuable than the than the square footage of your house you can have a house like taj mahal or you can have a outhouse he doesn't care he doesn't care see jesus said the greatest danger is to become greedy If all we think about is stockpiling things for ourselves and we neglect our relationship with God and our obligation to others, then we will ultimately self destruct. This is where contentment comes in. We have to learn how to be content. I always said that we we have an option. We can dwell in one of two tents. I either live in content or I live in discontent. Only two tents. I can live in content or discontent, but it's my choice. Paul said, I've learned how to be content wherever I'm at. If, he said, I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to have, I was, I, was, <laughs> I was saying a minute ago, I didn't have two nickels in my pocket to rub together. Listen, you can have, plenty. You can have four nickels in your pocket to rub together. if you and Be content with that. Or you can have lint. He said, just learn to be content wherever you are. It's that internal satisfaction. How do we develop this attitude? Number one, realize stuff isn't the most important thing in life. Learn at stuff. We had a, had a young couple in the early service this morning, two beautiful little girls. One was three and one was five. And when I got to this point, I looked out and I said, you know what? You want to know what's more valuable than stuff? And I sat over there and I said, those two girls right there, that's more valuable my granddaughters will come running here in a little bit, and they'll throw their arms around me, and one of them will go, ah, she likes Papa's hugs. And I wouldn't trade that for a million dollars. Wouldn't trade it. Universities right now are filled with students who are pre-med, pre-law, are working on an MBA, not because they have a passion for their field but because they sat down with a, an aggregate and looked at the potential earning uh, earnings and they pursued a degree that would give them the highest level of income. Here's what happens. Many of them will, fi- will finish up their degrees. They'll get in their fields, and a few years after they are in this field making massive amounts of money, they're dissatisfied because they pursued it for the wrong reason. And they're looking for an escape. People who make choices based solely on financial priorities often find these decisions will come back and haunt them. Can, can I be honest with you? Stuff is a miserable master. It's a miserable master. You know, we work so hard to get stuff, and then we have to work as hard to keep it. It's a, it's a miserable master. When, when we uh, Again, when we let it guide our decisions, we'll find out that it leads inevitably to loneliness and isolation. Jesus again said, your life does not consist in what you have. Your value is not your stuff. Because when you pass away, you're not taking it with you. Your value is much more than that kind of stuff. There's more to life than making money and accumulating stuff. What I'm saying is learn how to discern what is truly important in life. Paul, writing to Timothy, says it like this. He said, people who want to get rich fall into, listen to what he said. He said, they fall into a trap. Everybody say trap. Traps. Traps are not good right they're not good he said people who want to get rich fall into a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and to destruction what does he say so think about this how many how many have ever read stories of people who are victimized by get rich quick schemes somebody comes around says oh man this is a sure bet just go ahead and invest it's a sure bet listen if somebody says to you it's a sure bet listen to me it is a sure bet to cost you your money. That, that's all you need to know. If they say it's a sure bet, it's surely going to be a bet to take all your money. And there are people that buy into that. They, they buy this, they sow into this, they get into this, and all with the idea of making extra, lots, lots of money, and in the end it doesn't pan out. Be careful, Jesus said. Number two, learn to enjoy what you have. I've got to hurry. Learn to enjoy what you have. Listen, no matter where you fall on the economic scale, there's always going to be people that have more and there's always going to be people that have less. It's true. There will always be people that have more than you, always be people that have less than you. The other side of that coin is, uh, listen, there will be people that will, will, they will have it better than us, but the flip side of that is there are others that won't have it quite as easy as we do. Contentment, contentment makes us disturbed where we are. Our discontentment, I'm sorry, makes us disturbed where we are. We're not satisfied where we are. We're always worried and frustrated about things right now. But there are people that don't have it near as easy. you got a savings account? Well, thank God. If you wash a machine breaks, you can go get you a new one or get, pay a repairman. Praise God, because there are people that can't. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Learn how to develop contentment. The American dream says that a little more will always make us happy. So we chase this elusive dream and we never attain it because it's not going to happen. And you know what? Solomon warned us about it. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 6, he said, it is better to see what you have than to want more. It is better to see what you have than to want more. He said wanting more in the the, uh, new uh, contemporary version says, wanting more is useless. It's like chasing the wind because the target always moves. He said, it's useless. John Stott says, contentment is the secret to inward peace. I like that. Contentment, learning to be satisfied with your station in life. I'm not saying that you you can't try to improve on your station in life. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying don't make that your life's pursuit. Learn to be content with where you are. In fact, Jesus is telling a story about a farmer who has a bumper crop, right? Right? And he looks at all that he has. He looks at his barns and he says, oh, wait a minute. My barns aren't big enough. And so the Bible said, Jesus telling this story says that he tears down his barn. He said, I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger barns so that I can handle all my stuff. And the Bible says Jesus called him a fool and said, tonight your soul will be taken from you. A man one time went to his pastor for counseling He'd gone through a financial collapse, and he had lost everything, and he's devastated. And he goes into his pastor, and he says, he said, Pastor, I've lost everything. I have nothing left. His pastor looked at him as he's grieving this loss, and he said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that you lost your faith. And the man stopped for a minute. He said, well, I I haven't lost my faith. He said, well, then I'm sorry to hear that you've lost your character. He said, oh, "No, wait a minute. I, I didn't. I haven't lost my character." He said, "Well, I'm sorry that you. I'm sorry to hear that you lost your salvation." He said, "Pastor, I've not lost my salvation." This pastor said, "Hmm. You have your faith, you have your character, and you have your salvation." He said, it "Seems to me that the things that really matter, you didn't lose them. You didn't lose them. Isn't that amazing? It's a different. It's a. It's prioritizing. The last thing is this. and I got to close." Learn the blessings of generosity. Learn how to live a generous life. And I'm not talking about dollars and cents. You know, I don't preach a lot about money. I don't preach a lot about giving because I think we're big enough to read the Bible and understand what it says. But I'm just saying that learn how to be a generous liver. Not just a generous giver, be a generous liver. See, it's easy. I said in Compassion last week, it's easy to write a check and expect somebody else to go do the, the service. God wants our money and He wants us to do things. Again, this, this man, he builds bigger barns, and, and here's what his sin, his sin was not because he was successful. His sin was because he was selfish. He was selfish. He produced a crop, and he thought only of himself. He neglected his spiritual priorities. As a result, his soul was required of him that night. He never received what he prepared. Jesus said like this He said, This is how it will be to anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. Wow, that's a powerful warning. He said, if you live your life only to please yourself, if it's always about getting more and accumulating more and building your nest egg and building this and building that, and it's not about kingdom priorities, he said, that's, uh, you, you're in trouble with that because this is how it's going to be. You know, it's no coincidence that the word miser and miserable come from the same root word. <laughs> Developing a winning attitude uh, of contentment is learning how to be generous in life. And again, I'm not talking about dollars and cents. I'm talking about with your time and your talent and, yes, your treasure. When was the last time you went out and served somebody? Again, it's easy to write a check. I'm not talking about writing checks. When was the last time you did something of kingdom significance for other people? Many people desire to be generous, but then they oftentimes start reasoning within themselves. Well, I just can't afford to be generous t- right now maybe when when things get better listen if you live with that lifestyle you'll, things will never get better when i get a little more time i'll serve when i have a little more money i'll give it won't happen it won't happen solomon said like this ecclesiastes 5:11 he said the more you have the more you spend right up to the limits of your income He said, so what is the advantage of being wealth except perhaps to watch it run through your fingers? That's the living living Bible right there. I used to tell my children when they were growing up, I said, look, every time you get a pay raise, instead of adjusting your standard of living up, why don't you, if if you're living at that level right there, instead of adjusting it up, why don't you open a savings account or something, an investment account and send it over there? Because you're not using it now anyway. Because we always tend to adjust our standard of living to the level of income that we're making. Solomon says that's a foolish thing to do. It's a foolish thing to do. Solomon recommends in Ecclesiastes 11.1, he said, Give generously, for your gifts will return to you later. What did Jesus say? Give, and it will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Again, it's time, talent, and treasure. Guys, come on back as I wrap this up. See Jesus taught the secret to living is in giving. Remember John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave. He gave himself that whoever would believe in him would not perish. See, if you want to develop contentment in your life, learn to be a generous uh, not a generous giver, a generous liver. Learn how to live generously. Learn the freedom that comes by saying yes to someone that asks for a help. Someone who has a non-speaking part in an Easter production that needs a 10 yes, a 20 yeses. Be willing. Nah, I'm, that's manipulation. I'm sorry. I'm messing with you now. <laughs> that's a generous liver. Jesus one time was paying attention to the treasury. Remember, he was at church one day listening for, watching the offering take place in Mark chapter 12. Lady comes walking down. Everybody had been given that morning. And this little lady walks down and she plops it in there, two copper pennies. And Jesus said, oh, wait a minute. There's something different about this one. And he looks over there and he sees this widow that had given her two mites. He said, guys, come on over here. I want, I want you to, this. Jesus was good about giving life lessons. He said, look at that lady. All these other people had come over here and given out of their abundance. She gave everything she had. And those two mites, listen, they weren't worth very much, probably not even a penny in today's value. But to her, it was everything. And Jesus said, you know what? She's recorded in history as an example of a, liv- of a lady who lived it out. She lived it out. John Wesley said, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. We live in a material world that's pushing and driving us you don't believe me? Wait till Christmas comes. Actually, you don't have to wait till Christmas. Every major holiday that comes around, you've got two weeks or four weeks of, of just bombardment from advertisements. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to get your cash. They're trying, to, they're trying to make you dissatisfied so that you go out and buy things that you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like. That's what they do. He said, learn contentment. Because your life is not about what you have. It's not about that at all. You're more valuable than the the size of your checkbook. Had you been the only one, I really believe this, and you've heard it said, I'm sure, many times, Jesus would have died for you. You know why? Because you're valuable. So Paul said, hey, I've learned how to be content. So in, in closing, make that your prayer. God, help me learn to be content. Because listen, they're going to come out with a new version of that car that you're driving and they're going to tell you it's got more buttons on it than the previous one and it can do better things. This one here actually has a coffee brewer in the dash and it'll brew you a cup of coffee right there on the spot. (laughs) Hey, it's coming, I'm telling you, it's coming. And they're going to do everything they can to to twist your arm and and they'll say, you know what, it's not going to add... Any more to your payment, see that's how, they, it's not going to cost you any more per month. Yeah, but they don't tell you it adds 10 more years to your payments. <laughs> and they play on that desire for more. Paul said, learn what it is to be content with your station in life. Listen, there will always be people that have more than you, and, and go ahead and get it in your mind. You can sit there and you can fuss about how unfair it is. You know what, when you get to heaven, take it up with him. Seriously, when you get to heaven, take it up. Why did they get to drive that Maserati and I got a pinto? You ask him up there, here's here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna get up there and you're gonna see streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl, and you're not even gonna think about what you had down here. Not even gonna register. Because what you're going to see up there, I have not seen, ear has not heard, uh, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even begin to fathom what God has prepared for us. So go ahead and be content in this life because you've got a mansion waiting on the other side. You've got something that you can't, are riches untold. That's why Jesus said, hey, don't store up stuff here on this earth because thieves will break in, rust, deterioration, and moths will ruin it all. He said, what you can do is you can start sending it on ahead. And when we get to the beam of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, all that stuff that we've sent on ahead will be available for us. And we'll get to hear the master say, great is your reward. Church, that's contentment there. Do I wish I had more money? Yeah. Don't we all? But here's the thing. I wish I had more so I could do more. I love blessing people, I love serving people. Somebody asked me one time, said, if you ever won the lottery, what would you do? I don't play the lottery. I said, But if I ever did, I said, I'd give it all away. I said, What human being needs 58, 108, a $1 billion dollars? What human being needs that much money? I said, Well, there are people that are going to bed in the streets of our city with no food in their bellies. Shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. Won't you stand with me this morning? Scripture says if I have food to eat, shelter, and clothes to wear, then I'm satisfied and content. I know I know it's easy to kind of make light of that and say, well, I have greater needs than that. But the reality is food, shelter, clothing. Are essentials of life there are people across this planet that will that will live today they'll not have food in their belly they'll not have clean clothes on their body and they won't sleep in a house if we have those things then we ought to say thank you god for your blessings on me because not everybody has it See, it's a matter of perspective It's learning to be grateful for what we have. Contentment is a powerful, powerful attitude that will help you win in life. Because if you're not content with where you are, you're always scheming and striving to get something better. God said, whoa, slow your roll. Be happy where you are. Be fulfilled where you are. And then let me take care of what I want. See, whatever God brings to me, I want him to get it through me. I told the early service, the headwaters for the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea are the same you go up north of the Galilee of the Tiberias area up north you have Mount Hermon and all the other mountains of the north there's snow melt that snow melts it feeds the, the it feeds the Jericho River that Jericho River runs to the south it, it dumps into the uh, Sea of Galilee it has tributaries and it goes out and it feeds all the surrounding areas the the, the produce down there is phenomenal But there's one tributary that keeps going and it keeps flowing south and it dumps into the Dead Sea. And the reason they call it a Dead Sea is that there's nothing in there. Well, amoeba and stuff like that, but it's it's a Dead Sea. And the reason is because it has an inlet, but it has no outlet. See, what God does for us, He blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. It's coming to us to go through us to others. That's where we learn that contentment. As God pours in, we pour out. And here's the thing I've found in 30-plus years of ministry. The more I pour out, the more He pours in. The more I'm faithful in the little things that He gives to me, the more greater things He gives to me. That's the joy of my life right there. I've learned to be content. There's a lot of things in life that I've had to learn to adjust to to be content. But I'm content. I'm a happy man because I found something that's greater than all the riches of the world. Let me ask you this morning as we close. Are you a content person today? Are you content with the, your station in life? Again, I'm not saying don't try to improve on it. If God opens doors, by all means, step through them. But don't let that become your, your overarching pursuit where it consumes your every waking moment. Don't sk- sit there and scheme and plan and strategize, trying to get ahead. Just let God bless you as you walk in covenant relationship with Him. Are you, are you content today? If not, say, God, that's my prayer. Make me content. Let me find that inner satisfaction today. As we begin to sing this morning, I'm just going to open it like this. If you're here today and maybe you're just, we've had a powerful worship time, but maybe you're just, I don't know, maybe you're kind of going through the mullet grubs. You're just kind of down. you just kind of blah. Maybe it has nothing to do with the sermon today. Maybe you just feel, Lord, I just, I just need a touch. I say, sing, would you just come? If you're here this morning, say, you know what, pastor, I need to find contentment. I want you to come too. But if you're here today, say, you know what, I just need God to touch me today. I just want something from the Lord. I say, sing, would you come this morning? This altar is where things are altered. Let God have it today. Let God take it and be strong in Him. Go ahead.
1: up in your presence i just want to sit at your feet i'm caught up in this holy moment i never want to leave not here for blessing, Jesus, you don't want anything, anything that you can do, I just want you. I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry. I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. to
0: satisfaction comes from right here right here you see if we're not careful we can start looking for the works of his hand when he wants us to find him when you find him you find the works of his hand it's a big difference there a lot of people pursue only what he can do all through the old, the New Testament, people wanted to be around Jesus because everywhere Jesus was, he was always pulling miracles out of the miracle hat. They wanted to be around that. One day he said, hey, if you truly want to find something, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And the Bible says when he started pre- preaching that kind of message, everybody wanted to bail out because all of a sudden this positive Jesus that gave everybody everybody the stuff turn negative in their minds as i close this word, listen there is a place in god where you find the deepest contentment that there is possible all this stuff what's that song say the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace all this stuff loses its luster when you just get one moment with Jesus don't sell yourself short don't undervalue crawling up near Jesus because he'll give you what you long for father today come on just lift your hand with me this morning father today I thank you for contentment I thank you that in you there is life and there's the fullness of life Lord may we walk out full may we walk out full filled to overflowing with the abundance of your love and with your grace. Lord, may us may we learn how to tune out the pressures of the world and focus on what truly is important, and that is you. I just want you. Nothing else will do, nothing else can satisfy, nothing else can bring contentment. I just want you. Let that be our anthem, let that be our prayer. Give us a great day, a great week. Fulfill your promises through us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us online. If you still need prayer, we're right here. God bless you. I love you very much.